Welcome everyone to King Truth's podcast. Uh, of course, this is King Truth, and I have with me Michael Patterson. Say hello. Hello, hello, hello. How everybody doing? Uh, this is my cousin. Uh, he lives down in, in the Florida area. He's an author. He has a book out right now. Uh, go on and let the audience know a little bit about your book and where to find it. Okay, uh, the title of my book is Live, Love, and Lead, How to Transform Your Life from Ordinary to Exceptional. Uh, you can find my book at www.mpak.com, or you can find it on Amazon. Just type in Live, Love, and Lead, How to Transform Your Life from Ordinary to Exceptional by Michael Patterson. Or you can also find it at Google Books. And that's the same title, Live, Love, and Lead, Michael Patterson. Uh, and if you, uh, on Google Books, it's an e-book. Uh, and I think I have it on there for like $5. Uh, but the other sites, you would get a physical copy, and it's $10. All right, there you have it. So, uh, Mike, here's what we're going to talk about today. Black Economics. So, I wrote down a couple stuff, but, you know, we're just going to see where this takes us. So, my first question is, and we talked about this the other day, about uh, business and entrepreneurship. Um, do, you, do you think that that's the best way for us to get out of the economic uh, situation that we're in? Uh, yes, I do. You know, I think that we have to uh, become job creators. Um, and, and, and let me take it a step back before I, I get in, really get into it. Um, maybe about six, seven months ago, I was looking at what I was going to finish up my master's degree in. And uh, I'm halfway finished now with my MBA. Um, but, you know, it's just not interesting to me. So I, I wanted to get my degree in uh, African-American studies or African studies. And so I started looking at uh, the different colleges that offer. When it comes to HBCUs, there's only a handful of colleges that offer that degree online. Uh, every Ivy uh, offers this program, you know, and, and that you can get it online or in, or in class. And so it told me two things. One, the uh, predominantly white institutions are studying us at a rate that, and two, we're not studying how we should study this. Okay? Uh, fast forward maybe about four months. Uh, my wife and I take over to the community, and I asked her, I said, what do you see in this community? It's a new community they built, maybe about two miles down from where we live at. And she said, it looks like a regular community. I said, it's a regular white community. And I said, where can you find a black community to this standard outside of that? Or we were racking our brains and we can come up with uh, a fluent area 
out of those two cities uh, that um, uh, that has a, an influent uh, black community, where it's uh, everything is black owned. Okay, and so it it, it fed me to the point that like we need to be job creators, like we need to be entrepreneurs. Uh, like we we need to start teaching our youth uh, instead of uh, you know as well as I know uh, when you graduate high school that's the worst thing we can tell our kids to do is to go get a good job. How about go get you a career and start you a business? You know those are the two best things that you can do because the days of working for a company for. 40 years and getting 40% on the retirement that you couldn't live on 40% when you were working. How are you going to live on 40% after you uh, finish working? Uh, those days are gone. And so now we got to start teaching the next generation, our generation and the next generation, that we need to be uh, creating jobs for ourselves and our family members. And so that's one reason why I uh, ventured out and, and, and wrote my book. Uh, because I, I wanted to be uh, 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 self-sufficient, um, but I also have my insurance license. Uh, in about 30 days, I'm finishing up my real estate license. Uh, you know, just being self-sufficient. So, to to now to answer your question, yes, entrepreneurship is the way to uh, develop the black community. So. Speaking on that, but is it just entrepreneurship? Because I, I feel, yes, entrepreneurship is the way to go, but there's also other routes as well that could benefit the entrepreneurship route. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, for instance, not just with entrepreneurship but why are because if you look at a lot of black owned businesses um, especially some of the ones that I've seen around here they don't hire from the group so why is that like why don't they do that well I think one of the reasons they don't do that is that we don't have hierarchy or what I call a, a blood and the bloodline would be it's a system and the system would be that so for example uh, uh, when I was the assistant head coach in high school one of the things that I always did is that even during my years when I was just a regular assistant coach I always brought back a kid that I had coached previously or a kid that was in the program to teach them how to be a coach, to give them, you know, something that they can put on their resume, you know. But I was I, I was teaching them a craft that maybe one day uh, they could follow in, 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 in the footsteps and become a coach uh, or they can go do something else. But this would be like a building block for them. Uh, and so when it comes to entrepreneurs, uh, our entrepreneurs, I don't think we have that mindset to uh, pull up and give. 
in uh, and, and, and it hurts us in the long run because what happens is that Mr. Joe, he may be seceding, but uh, Mr. Willie and then uh, Mr. Terry, they not seceding. And Mr. Joe had the resources to help Mr. Willie and Mr. Terry, but he chose not to. You know, and so that that's just that's part of our that's part of our our, our culture right now and that we need to change. And I think the new millennials are changing that. You know, they're starting to work together. Uh, there's a guy in Atlanta by the name of David Chinese, uh, and he's putting on a huge conference. It's April the fourth through the fifth, and what he's doing is that he's reaching out to all his friends that are experts in a particular field and he's allowed them to come on his platform to share their information and also to plug their business. Right. And see, that's that's one thing that I think is our biggest problem is we're, like, we're almost like crabs in a barrel. You know, we have that one that's succeeding and you have others that are trying to pull him down or he has succeeded. He had reached his goal. He figured out the master plan of how to get to where he got to, but he doesn't want to pass that knowledge down to the next person because he, he has that fear that, Hey man, this next person may try to come up and take my spot. You know, we're the only group, I, I think that does that. What do you think? Oh yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, the the area that I live in now, or the area that I coached in and, and taught in for years, uh, it was uh, predominantly uh, Hispanic and Haitian, and so uh, the Haitians used to tell me all the time. Like, you blacks in America, like, you guys are lazy. Like, you guys have all the resources to do whatever it is that you want to do, but you guys don't do anything. You complain, and you don't do anything. And I noticed that a lot of those those individuals, uh, they come to the United States, and they start business. Man, they, they may get out and work for somebody for a little while, but they see, they find a problem, and then they come up with a solution to that problem, and they start businesses. They know sooner or later they can work for somebody and somebody pay them $10, or they can create a job, and they can make $100 for the same work that they were doing at $10. And so uh, they have figured that out, and for some reason, we haven't figured it out or we've been conditioned not to figure it out. Like we're almost waiting for that handout, that 40 acres and a mule that was promised to us. We're still waiting on that instead of going out and creating our own 40 acres and buying our own mule. Yeah, that, 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 that seems to be a problem within our community. Um, now, now, also, I, I want to add to that, I also think it's exposure. Um, I, 
you know, I don't think I don't think our community gets exposed to to a lot. And what I mean by that, uh, in the white community, their foundation is insurance. Why? Because they're not just looking for their lifetime. They're looking for the kids and grandkids' lifetime. And so uh, I had a friend of mine, a white guy, and he said that when his granddad passed away, he would, him and his other cousins would instantly become millions. And so maybe like two years after we had that conversation, his granddad passed away and he became a millionaire. Okay? Overnight. Him, same made everything, you know, uh, you know, uh, he, he didn't he didn't go to college, he didn't go to the military, I did all of those things, and yet he became a millionaire before I did. And he didn't have the will work at and so I heard right uh, from him I said you know what like I'm gonna change I'm gonna do something for my kids and my grandkids that my granddad didn't do for me and he didn't leave us anything so I went out and got me an insurance policy so if anything were were to happen to me that the kids would they you know they would be okay financially and maybe, you know, they could double whatever I'm leaving them for my grandkids. You know, uh, I guess it's, it, it's a lot has to do with exposure and and, uh, and, and and learning just how the game works. Because we were very ignorant to them. And that we are. And speaking on the money game, uh I think another thing that hurts us is financial literacy, understanding um, how to better take care of our money, how to better save and things like that. Um, for instance, I found a study from 2002. This is a survey 2002. And it said that the black community spent $22.9 billion on clothes. $3.2 billion on electronics and $11.6 billion on furniture. And 30% of all whiskey sales were by us. So, in, on top of uh, starting our own businesses, we have to understand money and how to save it and how to invest it like we're we're not very we're not on that level when it comes to that like me personally i've been watching uh a lot of videos on these uh financial advisors like black financial advisors and one lady was talking about the stock market which is something that i would love to understand more be considered that as an investment um so that way i can leave something behind for the next generation um so what are your thoughts on the on us getting better financial literacy well i i, I totally agree with you um there was a guy by the name of eric williams he approached me about 11 years ago 
and he asked me, he said, um, do you want to be rich? I said, no, I want to be comfortable. He said, what's comfortable? I said, you know, being out of debt, you know, not really having no work. He said, that's my brother. And he introduced me to a company that changed my entire thought process on money. And they were teaching the principles uh, of money, but they were also giving average and ordinary people an opportunity to make money. Not just a little bit of money, but a lot of but a, a lot of money. And one of the areas that this com- this company was in was financial. So what I did, I wrote down a list of my thirty closest friends. That within maybe a five mile radius of right? And these also include the people that I work with. And out of that list, people I saw every day, out of that list, maybe two people met with me. Two people met with me. My best friend, and then uh, a guy, me and him, uh, went into the military. Uh, and, and my best friend, he also, we went in the military. So we had that military bond. Uh, those were the only two that with me. And everybody else was like, ah, you know, I don't need that advice. I don't need that. I don't want to listen to that. So to fast forward it, I start saving. And about three years ago, I got sick. I heard Brown talk about um, you, you, uh, you could be comfortable and then one illness will wipe away years of discipline. And I learned the hard way that, yeah, one illness wiped away years of me being disciplined, you know. And um, and so in our community, like, we have to start thinking that we, yeah, it, it's important for us to be rich uh, because, not saying that life is going to be easier, but we gain more access uh, to more opportunities uh, by being in a financial position of of I call power. Okay, because you you get exposed to more, uh, and being exposed is a is a major key. But if you don't have the financial literacy, if you if you it, it, you know. You, all you're doing is just repeating the cycle of of ignorance, and all and really what ignorance means is that you don't know, you know, but you are doing what's called insanity, doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting a different result, and we can't do that anymore. We got to start doing things different. And like I said earlier, millennials, man, they are on. I, I keep saying they. I'm a millennial also. Like we are uh, on to something different and doing different things, you know, to, uh, to help inspire and motivate and challenge our community. Right. And like, here's listening to that financial uh, advisor. She was talking about how. Uh, and this is her teaching her son and her son came to her. He was like eight or nine and 
he wanted a pair of Jordans. Uh, and she she was like, well, instead of me buying you Jordans, I'm going to buy you stock. Then you promote the Jordans, you make money. And you can buy all the Jordans you want. I think that's where we need to be at. Instead of buying all these name brand things like Gucci or Prada or Jordans or Nikes, instead of just buying the product, we need to start owning the products. We need to invest into those stocks so that way we can get paid for other people purchasing that, those items. So now we're just not giving our money to the company. Now the company is paying us as well. Um, and I think that's part of the financial literacy. We don't understand that. Like we, we buy these name brand things to try to fit in. We feel if we buy Gucci, if we buy Prada, if we buy Louis Vuittons or, you know, that we're buying what, what they're buying. So that puts us with them, but technically it don't. They're laughing at us to the at uh, while they're heading to the bank because we're spending money that we don't have, one. Um, and two, they know that we're not smart enough to understand that if we ever purchase the stocks in these companies, we could eventually make more money off of them than they are off of us. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. What I found out when I was out in the insurance industry, um, when I was with my people, I came up with this concept that's called the cost-benefit analysis. So when you when you go into school and you learn about benefits, I mean, uh, business, they talk about that cost-benefit analysis. Well, in our community, cost-benefit analysis is if my brother buys something, he won't benefit like this. Like, he's looking for long, he's not looking a year, five, ten years, no, no, no. He won't benefit right then. So that's why earlier you was talking about Gucci and, and cars and all. And that's why we buy that stuff. Is because it gives us a benefit right then, and the benefit is like self gratification, you know. Rather than back in the day when our grandparents they own land, like they own land. And I was reading a report the other day. I think it came out of um, I think it was it was a newspaper in Savannah. I want to say. Or it might have been, yeah, I want to go out of Savannah. And they was talking about how the grandparents of the millennials will own more land. So, like, our grandparents will own more land than all their grandkids combined. You know, and that's, that, that, that's real scary uh, because it says that we've lost that ownership mentality. And so we are going out and we are buying Nike and, and all this other stuff. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's a short-term fix, you know. And But it, it starts in, I wholeheartedly believe it starts in the education system. 
And the reason why I say that is that so I have three daughters. Um, my oldest daughter, she got her first job uh, maybe like three months ago. And so, but she understands that she has to save 50% of whatever she makes. And so one day she asked me, she said, so daddy, why do I have to save this? I know you always told me, but why do I have to save it? And I said, because there's going to come a time you're going to want to do what you want to do. And if you are a slave to that paycheck, you can't do what you want to do. But if you've saved up enough money, then you can call the shots. You are the owner, not the borrower. And so she understands that she gets it. My second daughter, uh, she started a business of making uh, these red things. And he wanted a new iPhone. And so she's daddy, if I can get half the money, will you match the other half of the money? And so I'm like, okay, sure. Not thinking that she was going to really come up with me. Less than four months later, she came up with her, her side of the money for the iPhone. So I had the money. You know, and now my youngest baby... Uh, we're writing a book for her, okay, um, a children's book for her. So she's going to get a, well, my other two daughters got what I call the 20-year head start. She's getting a 30-year head start on the game. Uh, so, but that's, that's education that's coming from, that's coming from me, uh, but it, it, but, but, I didn't learn in school. You know, I didn't learn in school. Our parents, you know, I had got into the world and figured some stuff out. Whereas I said earlier, my white counterpart, that stuff comes down, it comes down from generation to generation. You know, and so when people say, you know, oh man, you know, slavery is over, like you guys should get over it. Like, you got a, and I have to explain to them, like, you guys got a 400-year head start on this. Like, 400 years. Like, yeah, yeah you, like your granddaddy was a business owner. Your great-granddaddy was a business owner. Or, or let's go five generations. I'm five generations outside of slavery. So your great-great-granddaddy was a business owner. My great-great-granddaddy was a then you came up with Jim Crow with the Jim Crow laws. So that that that, that put my great great granddaddy behind the fence. Then my granddaddy, he he couldn't even finish uh he couldn't finish high school because he had to go out in the fields and work. Well your granddaddy got an education. Then your dad went to college. Your granddad went to college. My dad didn't go to college. I went to college. My friend, he didn't go. He didn't go to college, but he became a millionaire based off the work that his great, that his granddaddy and his great granddaddy. Yeah, and and they don't see that um, part that we did get that uh, we were set behind the bar. Like I watched a video. Uh, I want to say last year or before, dude got a group of like 20 people and he just started naming off stuff like 
how many of your parents are still together? Boom, people started walking forward. Like, they took a step for each question. And when he got done, you could see that all white people are ahead, and you have a whole bunch of black folks that are still at the starting line. And we haven't even started the race yet. You've already... It's, it's almost like if we're in a track meet and you to start 10 meters from the finish line and we have to start 200 meters from the finish line. That's what is, they don't understand that that's the dynamics of why we're behind like we are, why we don't have those economic opportunities because A, we don't know and B, your family had the head start to learn that information. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree with that because you know we, uh, you know, and, and and with us, you know, as I as I, I look at my communities, uh, and I travel from Pennsylvania all the way across to California, and. For some odd reason, everywhere I go, the first place I find, whatever city I go into, is the hood. And, you know, it's kind of it's where I feel comfortable. Uh, but what I also did is I, I worked on my... Uh, I, I didn't want to be like everybody else. Like people say, oh, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. I wanted to be um, just somebody, you know. And so I started working on my skills to be able to, that I can go on the corner, I can go into the hood, I can go into the local mom and pop store, I can go into the local uh, barbecue spot, and I can speak the language. I am the language. But then on the flip side of that, I had to work on being able to speak the language in boardrooms, in front of corporate people. So I had to learn how to speak that language. And I would challenge myself to be able to learn that language. And now I'm at a point to where I can go to, like I said, I can go on the, on the, the side of town. They call across the track, and then I can also go downtown, you know, where they wear the, the, the suits and the tie, and I can speak the language on both ends. And the thing about the financial game, it's a it's a, 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 a universal language. Like so, everybody, everybody, if you just if you just are diligent enough to. Uh, Sacrifice just your time. You can learn the money game, you know. And then um, we need to learn the real estate game as well, you know. Um, so, but that's what we need to be teaching the generation and the generation after that. We need to be teaching them. Uh, one, we need to be educating them, and two. We need to be teaching them also. Now, on ownership, um, our last topic would be home ownership. And 
the reason why I bring up home ownership is because we don't own homes. Um, I think the last stat that I saw was 20 or 21 percent of all African Americans, or that number may be lower, actually own a home compared to 74% of America owning a home. Um, and then you look at how banks and these mortgage lender uh, companies prey on us and for instance, during the recession and the home, uh, uh, the housing crisis in 2008, more black people lost their homes than anybody else. Um, and I feel home ownership is another way to build our equity to, because if you look at some, some, um, white families, they tend to, okay, let's say granddad, great-granddad owned this house, had all this land. He dies, passes the land down. Then granddad dies, passes the land down to dad. Dad dies, passes the land down. And like the land keeps dropping down and the property value keeps going up. Uh, just like with, uh, uh, I want to say it's called Love It Town up in New York the the first like subdivision built in that area uh we weren't allowed to move in that area we weren't allowed to move into those homes they purchased those homes back in the the 30s and 40s for two thousand dollars those houses stay in those families and now they're worth like five million dollars you know we don't have that in our family we don't have home ownership in our community like that where we're able to pass down that property and pass down that wealth from property to the next generation yeah you you definitely right about that i think what you're referring to they call that i think it's real where they draw a line the banks used to draw a line and say uh we're not letting blacks into these neighborhoods. Okay. And it, 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 it's some, it's just like that today. Um, you can go into a gated neighborhood, a gated community, and they will let, if it's a hundred houses there, they'll let four or five, maybe six or seven blacks into it. But if the population get over 10%, you'll start seeing white people move out. You'll start seeing them move out. Right, because they would say that, right, because they would say that we would bring down the property value. But not so much redlining, it's just owning, it's just owning land. Like, for instance, like with, with, with grandma's land, right? It's still, I think it's still in our family. But, like, what is the, what is it worth now? You know what I'm saying? What is it going to be worth when, you know, your kids get older or when Julius is older? Are we going to, are we going to keep that land in the family? Are we going to sell the land? Like if we kept that land in the family, what is it's worth down the line? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, but also 
they took a lot of our land from us. You know, I think it was during the uh, during the Reagan. People say, "Oh man, Reagan was the greatest president for black people. He was the worst president in the world because he he took uh, the black farmer. He put the black farmer out of business. Like he pretty much killed the black farmer. You know, and he and in the process of that, took all the black farmer's land." You know, and so a lot of that we could not, you know, sit down because we were trusting a government that did not have our best intentions. So that's also how a, a lot of black families lost their land as well. Um, and then there were uh, in April, I, I just found this information out uh, uh, last week. There was an area called the McDonald's Quarters. And the McDonald's Quarters, uh, it was a neighborhood of black, but it was kind of like a rundown. And all these people, they were maids to the uh, to the influent, rich uh, white people of Naples. And so at the city of Naples, they condemned the properties. They condemned the property. And they said that they were not fit to live in. And they made the people out. Then they made the families sell the land. And I and I believe I was told it was like anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, they made them sell it per acre or per quarter. Today that area is known as Port Royal. If you don't have a million dollars liquid cash, you cannot get into this neighborhood. And so, uh, and so that's another reason why you know we're not landowners. You know, uh, we're not homeowners uh, because of the opportunity to be. And so solution to that is uh, we need to go be realtors. We need to go be bankers. Like we need to go, we need to start our own real estate companies and life sufficient. Like I, I know it sounds like I know it sounds like uh, we need to pull away from their system, but that's actually what we need to do. We need to be self-sufficient and self-reliant among ourselves. Because uh, we have the, the funds to build our own communities. We just don't have, we just haven't been exposed to it. And we don't have the, we need to create unity, which like I think it's millennial. I, we are creating a unity um, that is going to bring back um, that old that old time feeling of not a community of ownership and brotherhood and friendship, you know, but also entrepreneurship. So, uh, in order for us to get more homeowners, uh, we got to be educated on the process, 
And then we got to be willing to share that information with others. And then, but also others got to be willing to accept that information. And then, not only that, then we got to apply it. So that's the most important thing. You know, hearing it and doing it is two different things. You can hear it, but don't do it. It's the time. But if you hear it, then do it. Then you will get action. And so but that's that's why I think we need to um, we need to move forward with that. And, and say, I'm I'm studying to get my real estate license. I got a friend of mine. He's finishing up his uh, uh, contractor license. And and we got another friend. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, been into banking for a couple of years. Uh, my sister-in-law, uh, she's working on her investment license. Like, like we're trying to build a team, competent people that can that can take our community to the next level. Because the vision is for us to have our own communities in every city, fluent community no crime good school certified teachers you know uh, also police officers we, we need to start uh, I, I have a program that I started with NAACP of County that we are introducing uh, black police officers to our kids to create a relationship so our kids will not be afraid of the police you know, and when we need to start uh, making sure that's an occupation that we kids into, so they'll come back and then police the neighborhoods that they grew up in. You know, um, and so you know, but I, I can go on and on about that because so I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trust me, we've had those discussions, and I, I may I, I'm considering bringing you back for. Another one of the episodes that's going to be talking about that. Uh, but uh, so we're going to wrap this up again. This is Michael Patterson. Let them know where they can find you. Let them know where they can find your book again. And and yeah. Yeah, you can uh, find me at www.mmpkgroup.com. That's impactgroup.com. You can find my book on Amazon, on uh, Google Books, and at my website. And the title of my book is Live, Love, and Lead, How to Transform Your Life from Ordinary to Exceptional. You can find me on social media. It's called The Impact Group, uh, and that's M-M-P-A-K Group. So you can go to all social and, and find me on there. And then I'm on... Uh, I'm on uh, YouTube, uh, Mr. Sarcoidosis. So if you type in Mr. Sarcoidosis, uh, you'll find me on YouTube as well. That's awesome. All right, Cuzzo. Uh, it was good talking to you. Good having you on this episode. And I will have you back on another episode with me. Uh, to the audience, thank you for listening. Uh, and I'll speak to y'all next time.